0: This is Crossover Collab. Today we'll be exploring the classic tale A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens in four separate adaptations. This is Crossover Collab around this time last year I was mega Scrooge
1: and now and then- he's so filled with the Christmas spirit that it's he's silent as a mouse before before Christmas um,
0: <laughs> that's true I know my place
1: <laughs> I mean bless we' we've have, we have tried to record this Christmas Carol episode several times and yeah. uh, the, the system we were using was not having it so we've tried again. It's just as day is dawning for Brandon yeah, uh, Bright and early for me too <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a good point, yeah uh, If I so sound this... a little reserved on this side <laughs> It's because um, I don't want to wake anyone up But um, we're still gathering together to talk about Christmas
1: a Very Victorian, very proper, very reserved um, But yeah, <laughs> um, I, I'd like to kick off by, by talking about um, as we head into our four different Christmas carol adaptations for today mm-hmm. um i'd like to bring a kind of framework for our analysis uh from the fantastic c s Lewis who writes in his experiment for criticism about this idea of how the uh, the literary mind is able to experience the same myth in multiple different ways um and if this if the ideas behind the story are potent enough it doesn't matter if it's you know if it's a summary if it's the longest novel you've ever read if it's a vivid painting or a scrap drawing or if it's kermit the frog singing songs ultimately hmm. it's the power of the message of the ideas that is conveyed to the audience mm. um so yeah with, without further ado um we'll use that kind of idea to then you know add some perspective explore all this and yeah yeah cool. um because i know brandon you've you've probably read more of it than i have actually an experiment in criticism so yes
0: yeah um, um <laughs> it quite literally draws upon what you're saying right there Um, I think when we've talked about this before, Josh, something that... The analogy that you used to express the idea was that each... The main story, the myth, tends to be the the gift and then the way in which um, it's conveyed or adapted is like the wrapping paper, essentially. Um, Yeah, yeah. So... um, And today we're going to be looking at that kind of... The wrapping paper, but... um, Mm. And also from the conversations that we've had um about this as well i've found it really interesting in comparison to um of course we have to bring in the biblical ties here um Mm. paul the apostle he brings a lot of summaries of the gospel within his epistles which sum up like the the story the legend and it still holds it still makes me cry as much as i would read in the entire gospel um from beginning to end, mm. so i I think that really holds true with what Lewis says. You know we have our main story and it can be explored in a variety of ways,
1: yeah um, yeah, and of course we can like we can evaluate the wrapping paper, but it doesn't change the value of the gift inside kind of thing exactly, so completely. yeah bear bear that in mind if if we um i mean we're gonna talk about a couple of interesting adaptations um so, yeah, anyway, enough beating around the bush. Let's get into it. <laughs> so I'm going to start by just briefly talking about the Disney animated Christmas Carol, uh, the cartoon. Uh, it's an incredible adaptation purely based on the fact that it condenses the story into like a 25 minute half an hour something like that like effectively manages to take the entirety of a christmas carol and condense it into a 20 minute tv episode is the is mm. the idea um they've done a similar thing with the prince and the pauper and other tales like that so disney oh, no, are so there they they know narrative efficiency which is one of the things that frustrates me about when they did the live action remix and they added on an extra half hour of unnecessary oh, runtime for each one right. cuz it's like yeah they're able to tell stuff like a christmas carol in like 25 minutes and it's done mm-hmm. done and dusted and still conveys um maybe with a bit of emotional whiplash but still manages to convey the sense of what the story is about two children um, and it does that by effectively taking these images of, you know, the ghosts, of uh, the fear Scrooge has of uh, not being able to make amends. It takes, you know, the, the joy of Christmas when he re- uh, remembers Christmas at Fezziwigs and so on. Like It takes all of these ideas and portrays them in their most potent form. It gets straight to it. Um Things like when the engagement is called off in Scrooge's past and that kind of fuels his isolation um, and his cold-heartedness. That moment is um, portrayed by um, his fiancée is a day late on the mortgage payment for their honeymoon house that he is, like, uh, (laughs) contracting to her. Like, he's (laughs) uh, given her the lease. And because she was a day late on the payment, he's cancelled the mortgage and she leaves heartbroken and oh. that happens in the space of like i don't know 10 seconds or so but the oh. way it, but it manages to effectively take that whole arc and make it very um to the point and in a way that even a child can understand aided of course by cartoon expressions and you know they can add effects to it and so on yeah. so yeah i think uh, <laughs> it gets an a plus for narrative nice. efficiency and there's something great about seeing as well scrooge mcduck mickey mouse donald goofy and <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> the only voiced uh, ghost of christmas uh, future that i've ever heard of i mean i was checking with you mm-hmm. brandon if you'd seen any versions where uh, the ghost of christmas yet to come speaks and we yeah, couldn't think of any not, could we no i can't um, think of any that said, there are over like eighty-five adaptations, not including uh, like video game spin-offs, which you'd be surprised that there's video game spin-offs, yeah, but that's there are. <laughs> that's funny. Um, so, not a single one has a that we've seen. Uh, um, but in 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 the Disney one, they have uh, Pete <laughs> voicing the uh, the Ghost of Christmas Future, and he's like uh, speaking of the grave. Uh, why it's yeah. yours, Ebenezer, the richest man in the cemetery. Uh, which I th- I love that line. Um, I think it's yeah, unnecessary, a great line. but for kids, the whole reveal of like he literally strikes his cigar on the on the side of a uh, of the gravestone to light it. So the flash of red light from the cigar. Reveals the letters Ebenezer oh. Scrooge, and then there's like the fire building up from below the coffin, and he literally falls into like a pit of fire. It's uh, it's pretty metal, but again, yeah, it's like really potent form of the image that you know a kid as young as five could understand what the story is about.
0: Yeah, so, nice, yeah. I, that's really cool. I, I think it's um, as you said just a little earlier, I think the fact that it's in a cartoon um styled you know delivery i think that very much helps in condensing that down because i'm starting to think if this was like a live action kind of film it can't be done because i think we want to familiarize and we want to know and care for the characters but i think because there's this separation between us and the cartoons and because Mm -hmm. you've got way more Um, freedom in how you convey things like emotion and and character and stuff like that through your cartoons i feel that's probably why this version works so well condensed and doesn't need a lot of time to show and explain stuff Um,
1: yeah yeah. well there's the added bonus as well that um the disney characters they use come with preloaded associations for the audience That's true, yeah. So having like Bob Cratchit be played by Mickey Mouse, there's effectively everything that we know about Mickey Mouse. (laughs) I mean, they'll never slander his character. Disney won't at least. So anytime Mickey Mouse appears in a Disney thing, you can you can trust that it's the same Mickey that has been in all of them. So we know Bob Cratchit is a good guy, purely because he's played by Mickey. Um, Scrooge McDuck is an interesting one, because he's effectively... I think he was an original character for that, and then they used him in DuckTales after the fact. But oh, really? don't quote me on that, because I'm not 100% researched into right. it. Um, right. That sounds pretty cool, though. But yeah, to, to reuse existing characters, uh, like <laughs> Goofy being Jacob Marley, like it, it was... It was weird because obviously not not as menacing as the other versions of Marley, but there's mm. that kind of uh, it. It shows how heavy the the weights are that he has to carry around because of uh, him like carefully stepping over his chains so he doesn't slip on them. Like he does at one point, he falls down the stairs and you hear like a huge crash. Um, so even in through the comical moments, you know, it still conveys the same ideas. But yeah, yeah, nice. <laughs>
0: Well, um, there's so- another adaptation. That also uses previous characters. We're not gonna go into that right now, but um stay tuned for that, definitely. Um (laughs) Yeah, because
1: well I'd be interested in looking at now because you mentioned about this kind of thing, like the narrative efficiency being very difficult to do in live action. Um you've seen the Patrick Stewart version, um which is completely live action. So I realize I haven't seen one that's live action yet. Um so yeah, if you could talk us through that, like what does it do? Differently, how faithful was it, that kind of thing?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um as a disclaimer, I've seen it on TV, so I haven't like stared at it from begin to end, but I've seen the majority of it to have a good opinion on it, but that's for certain. Um all I would say is well in comparison to the Disney version, it's it's a very dark and serious tone. That's that's mm. for absolute certain. Um the, the ghosts are portrayed in a very um fearful way that's for certain particularly like the the ghost of christmas um future it's like there's like glowing eyes within this like dark hooded creature and even like the ghost of christmas past is um there's like a scary they look very angelic um very glowing um so it's certainly it it thrives off delivering a serious taunt and I think it does a fantastic job with it um because mm. again my experience with the Christmas Carol story has predominantly been more of a, a childlike and cheerful kind of perspective Yeah, um yeah. which is yeah completely different to this I, going through the story it doesn't offer anything quite different in, in my personal opinion um it's filmed well. It's it's not like a bad film in any regard. Um like I said, it is a bit more serious. The the ghost that introduces the other three and that hosts it um is his friend who's was a businessman and basically um oh there was a great line that I delivered that I was like, oh gosh. Um yeah. he, was, he was basically saying like Patrick Stewart was like oh, it's we're businessmen it's just business and the ghost was like all wrapped in chains was like yeah but with mankind like kind of the idea of using other people's soul for your own gratitude and happiness um so i'd say the script very well done and i think the whole point of why i even wanted to bring this adaptation up is patrick stewart's performance is just like next level I, Mm. i can't Begin to describe how he expresses himself because he really fits. The, I, I always see it for some reason. I see him as either Professor Xavier <laughs> or <laughs> um, cheerful John Luke Picard from Star Trek. Of course, Trek,
1: like, yeah, yeah.
0: So, but Weasley, when he starts out as Scrooge, I'm like, of course, this makes sense. You, yeah, like he just fits the role so well. Um, so I don't wanna to go too uh, too long about this because it's me pretty much just fanboying um excuse it. <laughs> <laughs> but um I think what he conveys a lot to this is he does the opposite of the Disney film. He brings a lot of nuance to the character, he makes you feel a lot for Scrooge, he takes you through that journey of just just the way he expresses himself. Yeah. You, think he's really, you genuinely think he's really mean. But in the moments where he's actually vulnerable and where he um he has remorse you really feel that too he yeah, just does a yeah. phenomenal job in conveying that and i can't begin to describe it yeah so, um yeah i think that's me mainly just like i said fanboy and <laughs> patrick stewart um yeah i know that we're gonna go in a different direction with your next uh, adaptation josh which I'm sure was very expressive in the way of the, particularly of the acting style, but I mean in terms of the overall art style in general. If you want to possibly dive into that,
1: yeah. So um, this is a this is another quite dark one actually. Um, oh really? Yeah, the uh, the Jim Carrey uh, like realistic animation style um mm-hmm. which was the the same director as the Polar Express Robert Zemeckis um mm-hmm. and i noticed even down to like the people who were doing like the uh the motion capture uh, like the people overseeing that were the same i recognized the names in in both films so at at a surface level you could just say oh well it's the Polar Express art style it's the kind of uncanny valley thing mhm Where it's used in the Polar Express to create a sort of larger than life aesthetic, the Mm -hmm. sense that it's real life, but with more wonder added to it, and it's glossier and it's shinier. What uh, A Christmas Carol does is it takes that realistic style, and then it makes it more grimy and nice. gritty kind of thing so that when these more angelic characters are introduced and um, similarly to the patrick stewart version you mentioned there is something angelic about the ghosts um mm-hmm. you can tell nice. as well it's very true to the source material there's a okay. lot of direct quotation from from the book uh, oh, in terms of idea. what the characters are saying and a lot of the way that the uh the motifs are presented you can tell is is based on descriptions rather than just what the cultural consciousness is you know what the common memory of christmas carol is yeah um so it, you can tell it starts from the book and it kind of uh, pays homage to that by the very first shot of the film is of the book a christmas carol as it opens and then it closes at the end and it does the classic uh shows the first sentence of the book marley was dead to begin with and then zooms in to the illustration as the illustration comes to life mm. so yeah there's there's this very uh horror element to it you know what oh, was wow. just uncanny in a polar in the polar express is completely exploited to the full in uh, a christmas carol it sounds and, like they've
0: leaned into it they yeah, know how to use yeah. it more correctly in this kind of uh, story.
1: Hmm. I mean, it it uh, still has the thing, you know. You can really tell which uh, celebrity voice actors they used because their characters look a bit like them. So Colin Firth uh, plays <sighs> Fred. You can tell it's Colin Firth because of his face. You can tell Jim Carrey plays Scrooge, and Jim Carrey is fantastic for the role. Well, um, he, you've he got Bill Grinch, Nye is sure. the uh, yeah yeah. Um, he played the Grinch and. In a similar vein, you know, plays plays that nuanced character that on the outside is very grumpy and uh, cold, but on the inside, of course. And that was something that I thought was great about this version. It made it really apparent to me that the real Ebenezer Scrooge, Ebenezer being a name that means stone of help as well, which makes it oh. ironic to begin with. But um effectively, it's a story of him coming to. Be- uh rediscovering who he was all along, um, or kind of l- peeling away the layers of cynicism and um, these kind of barriers he's put up to keep himself distant from people. And you've come to realise over time that actually he's always had that kind side of him. It's just he's never felt like he's been able to show it to people. And that years and years of cynicism, as I say, have like walled him off from the world. Um, So that was something that was great to see. Um, Particularly through, and this is something that's evident in all adaptations, I think, but Scrooge's wit, you can tell he's a very uh, sharp-minded character. Um, mm. he figures things out pretty quickly he's he's always got a, a, a cool line to say um, and <laughs> some of the things you know, uh, every man who wishes Merry Christmas should be boiled as, in his own pudding and buried with a stake through his heart oh, um, really vivid imagery you know, right. really cutting um, it's cool and, how
0: language can convey that kind of idea and like already I'm starting to get a clearer sense of whose character is Kind of that meanness, At yeah. the beginning of the story, obviously, definitely.
1: Cool. But that same wit is turned on its head by the end, and of course, this is common to all adaptations. But it's particularly evident, I think, with with Jim Carrey's Scrooge. Um, even the wit, like I was so impressed the way that they designed Scrooge to be like mean-looking and with a protruding chin and nose, very angry-looking mm. face, you know. Um, and of course, Jim Carrey's range of expression is just fantastic oh, so spawner, so yeah. many di- <laughs> the many faces of Scrooge were were a marvel to behold um nice but the fact that's that really they quality. can make such a mean looking character from the start se- still seem like plausibly joyful at the end like it it, it didn't seem forced you know um oh, cool. so yeah I mean lots uh, I could say about that adaptation one last thing i will say is it was the only adaptation that authentically brought me to tears with the tiny tim part and it wasn't uh it wasn't just the death of tiny tim it was actually um the the performance of bob cratchit who i believe was voiced by bob hoskins but i could that might have been someone else, because I know he's on the cast. I may have misaccredited the voice. Um, but yeah, the Bob Cratchit's line, I mean, the acting in that part, it was so realistic. It just broke me, to be honest. Like When he's oh, saying man. about how um, he he comes out with the strangest things sometimes, does Tiny Tim. Uh, he's talking about how he, he hoped that people would see him at church today, uh, that they would see him lame. Um, with his crutch, so that they would, uh, they would recall the Lord who makes uh, lame men walk and blind men see, and the way that he voices that line, like it's the same line that Kermit the Frog actually says in the next adaptation we'll be looking at. But (laughs) although both performances are fantastic, just the yeah the raw emotion in that one, it really got to me. Just how. As a, I, th- I think, it's something to say for um, what is it? Uh, authenticity to the original, because hmm. you could tell it was something that was really. Its heartbeat was in time with, you know, the uh, the original version. You could really feel that it owed a lot to the original text, and it was doing everything it could to kind of glorify the original. So, nice. as a result, I think the motifs shone through <laughs> that gift kind of thing. The gift shone through the wrapping, so you nice. could see what it was. You'd be like, "Ah, yeah, it's uh, it's a box of chocolates." I can I can hear <laughs> it rumbling. You know, that that's nice. what it did to use that metaphor. So, Ideal. yeah, <laughs> good
0: it seems like a perfectly balanced and tasteful way to bring new technology and a new art style to a a very classic tale so Hmm. it sounds phenomenal you've sold it to me
1: i mean like with the polar express as well i would argue that the uncanny valley works for the film i've you know i've already mentioned a bit but like It's able to accommodate the horror elements. Like you mentioned with Patrick Stewart, how it is a dark story in a lot of places, Mm -hmm. particularly depending on how the ghosts are portrayed. And, oh man, (laughs) it's one of the benefits of animation, again, to have like the seamless transition as like... Even to have the ghost of Christmas present seem really freaky by Mm -hmm. his face morphs into that of Scrooge when he says... Um, if they are to die then they better do it quickly and decrease the surplus population and his face morphs from this jolly bearded man into Scrooge and it's horrifying Oh Um, ah, not not to mention as well it's the only adaptation I've seen that features ignorance and want the children of men who emerge from uh, the dying ghost of Christmas present Oh, uh, and they're yeah. like, are they not prisons? Are they not workhouses? And they proper, like, leer at Scrooge and there's a lot of POV shots that make you feel super uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. and, uh, Want, uh, as she is fully grown, um, gets carried off screen in a straitjacket and disappears <laughs> into the shadows. Yeah, oh, it's, it's, it's so dark. Um, it and the final like the proper, thing I will mention, though. because I really like this one, um, the ghost of christmas yet to come we've mentioned pete we've mentioned uh, the the glowing eyes out of the hood mm-hmm. this one uses a literal shadow like it's it's ebenezer's shadow uh turns into like this skeletal wraith uh that's oh, like robed yeah. so you can't make out any details and when oh, it wow. when cool. it points it's like a shadow along the ground that's pointing and and uh it, like, sometimes comes out of the walls, um, and I've, because I've been doing a lot of kind of looking into this stuff for my uh, research into Over the Garden Wall, which also uses a shadowy-like main villain, I was really enticed by Carl Jung's idea of the shadow, uh, the idea that there there isn't really an antagonist in A Christmas Carol what Scrooge Mm. comes to realize is that the evil has been within himself the whole time and he must have an internal struggle to cast off the the evil part of himself to cast off his ignorance and his greed and to, you know, open his heart to people again. Uh, That's the central conflict. And of course it would be disingenuous to have Scrooge come up against like an antagonist per se, but as he's being chased by his own shadow, Um, there's something really like almost Old Testament prophecy about it you know, Mm. the sense of this grim portent of judgment and wrath that will come if you don't change your ways Um, Mm. and yeah, I think think that's all I'd like to say about that one but yeah, really great adaptation I know I already sold you on it I didn't need to do the additional sales pitch but I would really recommend this one it's one a lot right. of people sleep on and I think it deserves better, you know. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, That's would recommend
0: it. Alright, well we're down to our, our last uh, adaptation. Um it's the first that I was introduced to when I came into this world as a wee baby. <laughs> um it's the Muppets Christmas Carol, which Brilliant. is just Absolutely. I mean, it's a classic. Um, I think the first point I'd like to say is it does sort of what we mentioned with the um, Mickey Mouse one, and that is it takes familiar characters, introduces them into a story that's... It's it's kind of in the middle. It's it's definitely for children, and it's appealing for absolute certain because I remember it just being fun and colourful, and I've got mm. the, the plot a lot, but it has a bit more um nuance to it so like yeah i've seen yeah. michael Ken's like performance i feel it's almost like a middle ground between say the disney version and the patrick stewart version yeah it, it offers seriousness but it's still a condensed and very sweet portrayal of, of the entire story which which is i think is why i find it a nice um it's a nice adaptation for me to just, like, sit mm. on the couch and not think too much about, which is kind of what you want to do at Christmas, as, as like, a, um, when you're looking into all the kind of intricacies of it all. Um, mm. um, I lost my train of thought. That's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um,
1: that said, though, um, I've seen a great video essay, actually, uh, by a channel called In Frame Out, Uh, about why the Muppets Christmas Carol is actually one of the best adaptations Mm -hmm. uh, because of its extreme faithfulness to the book uh, by having Gonzo uh, play Charles Dickens and Mm -hmm. the fact that they have so many direct quotations from an old like well not old in the sense of like there's way older books but in the sense of a modern generation, you know, being exposed yeah. to classical literature probably for the first time through something mm-hmm. like the Muppets' Christmas Carol, and yeah, the, that it can get that perfect middle ground, I think, between the dark side that we've seen in some of the other adaptations and the levity of the Disney version. So yeah, there's um, there's a lot of nuance to it, I think.
0: For sure. Um and yeah i I think it's that thing as as well i know i've already kind of expressed this but i remember like particularly the ghost of christmas future when i was younger it still scared me a little bit but um but i think there's i think because the characters were familiar that i could approach this more serious kind of story with more of a a light-hearted kind of approach um I'm trying to think of, like, Blumeneck, the the Tiny Tim as well. Oh, yeah. uh, Because it's conveyed by, like... It's it's like a really... I forget the character's name, but the small mouse, isn't it? Um, No, it's the small Kermit. Is it? Yeah. Because they're all 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 little Kermits and Miss Piggies, aren't they? Of course, yeah. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah. (laughs) I mean... To first, it's quite funny because Kermit's a bit more serious in this film. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. With the Tiny Tim thing, yeah, there's well, something that, really precious about that. And-
1: that's the that's the thing. I mean, it's mentioned in this video, essay, so I don't want to, you know, just uh, say someone else's point, but um, they they talk a lot about how the framing and cinematography in the opening minutes of the film really, like the height difference between Michael Kane and these literal puppets. Mm-hmm creates that sense of dominance that he has over the characters and then he as he begins to empathize with them more you get uh, camera angles that put them on the kind of same level oh, you know that's cool um so yeah the the whole idea of oh it's puppets that's ridiculous like by, but by the time you see Bob Cratchit in his home, that sense of weirdness of the humans and puppets intermingling is is gone. Like, you don't really notice it anymore. You're used to it. And that's where the puppets can really shine because they're able to, almost through caricature, portray like a more exaggerated form of the characters. Mm-hmm. While also, yeah, there's, there's that innate uh, disparity between the emotions they're portraying and how jolly they appear, which combined with this sort of muted colour grading Really works. I don't know. Yeah. It just it just works. <laughs> it just does. Like, Not to mention, it... of course, as well the music. The, oh, I come mean, on. The soundtracks for all of these are great in their own regard. I mean, I can't speak for the Patrick Stewart one, but um, it's good. <laughs> I will say that yeah, it's good. That's good. um <laughs> Alan Silvestri, who also did Polar Express, worked on the Jim Carrey one, and a lot of the soundtrack is actual Christmas carols that are all worked together. Mm based on their thematic content um but the muppets christmas carol a bit like scrooge the spiritual successor to oliver um is a musical and the musical songs in it i mean i've got them stuck in my head right now and probably have them the whole time we've been on this call um (laughs) but yeah it's, it's such a great soundtrack and again manages to encapsulate in a very direct and to the point way the emotions of the story without trivialising them, you know Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's great Nice. (laughs) and of course Tiny Tim's song uh, uh, what is it Uh, Bless Us All I think it's called Um, when it plays that motif on a lonely clarinet as we get the shot of the crutch with no owner that it's such a powerful cinematic yeah, that, image. Exactly.
0: I, I think that's probably why that sticks out to me so much more than the others. It's just like, again, you've it's a blue puppet for crying out loud. But like <laughs> the idea of the way that it's conveyed in that um, adaptation, yeah, you really feel for it. And also the sweet, precious voice just, just helps a lot oh, as yeah. well. <laughs> um, I would love to even talk more, more about, uh, particularly the Muppets one, but it's one of those where it's just like you can't even fully explain or yeah. begin to understand why just it's just so it. good. <laughs> just yeah, literally. I mean, that's that's a consensus we always come to at the end of mm. these uh episodes. Yeah. Go and bloom and watch them. I haven't even watched the Jim Carrey version and I'm super excited to now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean and and just to very quickly end on the gift, you know, the mm the story itself is is all like we've mentioned through all these adaptations it is a powerful story and something that really occurred to me watching the Jim Carrey one was this sense of Dickens's intention as an author um yeah. now this is something I'll hopefully discover in more depth as I read the book because I'm hoping to do that soon but um yeah, the um uh, The the criticism that he makes of his society of people who you know they get on with life they live for themselves they uh, hide away from others they wall themselves off with cynicism scrooge is not just an extreme he is meant to represent the ordinary victorian man who has in in the interests of self-preservation has become so infatuated with money that it's become an idol and has blinded him to the plight of his fellow man hmm. and to see that that it's not just criticizing like extreme greed but it's criticizing any form of like closing yourself off to your neighbor um okay. Even it even levies like an attack on the priesthood of saying, like, these men of the cloth are not my brothers. That's something yeah. that the ghost of Christmas past uh, sorry, Christmas present says. Um, and using like the veil of fiction, Dickens is able to actually encourage in a very similar way to Good King Wenceslas. Uh, it encourages Christians, especially, to be wary of the poor, to be aware of the needs of those around them, and that actually. If you're spending your Christmas, I'm guilty of this myself, but if you spend your Christmas unaware of the needs of those around you um, and you get kind of self-absorbed and doing your own thing, you're actually missing the point of what Christmas is about because ultimately, through the gift of Jesus, we're able to better serve one another. We've got that love that we can can share. And uh, even if we don't see it as you know gold and silver have i not but what i have i give you um whatever our circumstances whether we're well off or not so good you know we still have a lot to give in the sense of our time of our love um of our presence
0: yeah one million percent i mean i mean i was kind of joking at the beginning saying that oh yeah i'm a bit of scrooge and now i'm like redeemed having the same kind of arc as uh good old ebenezer but i mean quite literally and quite truly it has been that case this year being deep in my study of theology and drawing close to god he's revealed to me (laughs) it's going to sound cheesy but i mean he has revealed to me what truly matters the idea of revolving christmas around christ and it's about serving and enjoying delighting in in who and what we have around us so yeah that's very much the case and i I do love that as you said uh, the gift in itself of this story truly gets at that um and so yeah i can firsthand experience going from not necessarily love of money but looking too much at the selfish aspects of it and focusing too much on the excitement of the gifts growing up and stuff like that Mm. and not having a true appreciation for the heart of of what Christmas is and and being able to not only just celebrate this as Christmas but be able to have this mentality throughout the rest of the year and throughout the rest of life so yeah it's it's beautiful to to recognize that and I thank Charles Dickens and then all the people Mm. that adapted this story in a way in which we can learn this and then be able to make a podcast about it (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it's great stuff man glad that we talked about this
1: yeah